Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the jazz session. I'm Jason Crane. The jazz session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. The jazz session is also available for free at thejazzsession.com and in iTunes. My guest today is Roger Lewis, one of the founding members of the Dirty Dozen Brass Band. Here they are. My guest is Roger Lewis of the Dirty Dozen Brass Band. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. It's a Thanks pleasure for to be here. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about thir- thirty years. You guys are getting ready to reissue your first record. As I we're getting ready is that right? to reissue uh, "Feet Can't Fail Me Now." Uh, it's been overdue, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're getting ready to put it out again. Uh, now, now, talk about that. Talk a little bit about that record. What folks are going to hear on that on that record? Well, we're doing. Uh, there's a uh, Charlie Parker piece on there by the name of Bongo Beep, and there's a Duke Ellison piece, Caravan, and uh, Thelonious Monk, uh, Blue Monk, and um, I think, uh, well, Fee Can't Fail Me Now, which is, Fee Can't Fail Me Now has a lot of different uh, artists' music, like Charlie Parker, we, use, we do Dexterity in there, and we do, uh, at the very end, we do... Uh, Tipping by Horace Silvers, so it's you know along with my feet can't feel me. I better bump up it up. You know we kind of mix all of this contemporary music within this what we do. You know it's like a big pot of gumbo. If you ever been to New Orleans and you eat gumbo, we put a lot of good ingredients in the gumbo. It's like a musical gumbo. It really tastes good. You know. What I'm saying? <laughs> now talk about that a little more though, because I mean New Orleans has obviously the brass band history is very rich there, but. But things like Charlie Parker's dexterity and really intricate bebop lines are a whole different flavor. Well, well, you see, when we put this get, we put this band together back in 1970. I think it was 76. Everybody was, you know, everybody was practicing on different styles of music. And uh, in our band, whatever you was uh, rehearsing or whatever experience you had in your earlier life playing music with other bands or 
music that you wanted to play, you didn't have to get the opportunity to play. You had the opportunity to bring it to the table, whether it was somebody else's composition or original material, you can get it played, you know what I mean? So we just just start mixing everything in this music. Matter of fact, I think that made the difference between our band and bands of old because we we brought this music to the streets of New Orleans. I mean, we brought Caravan to the street, uh, Blue Monk. We had people dancing in the streets, man, on these four-hour second-line parades that we have. And uh, Charlie Parker music, Bongo Beep. We going down the street. We got thousands of people dancing to Bongo Beep. I mean, other brass bands were not not doing that, you know. So that kind of gave it a, a different flavor. Like even Michael Jackson music, we was playing like his music also in the streets and everybody else we could think of along with our original compositions uh, if you know anything about New Orleans traditional music it's uh, it's music that's played in the church it's gospel music like when we do funerals and, and uh, we play a slow hymn as the body is coming out the church going into the hearse then a band walks in front of the hearse and we depending on the arrangement that the family made with the city is how far we go with the deceased and we'll play him but as we head back to the repairs after we what we call cut the body loose after the body's gone to the to the, the graveyard or if he's been cremated he's going to wherever <laughs> but, but as we you know as all of that happens we go to the uh, what they call the repairs Repairs is where the family and the friends gather and meet to have food and, you know, drink and whatnot. And they talk about this deceased. He was a good old soul. He's going to a better place or he was whatever he was. He's going to wherever, you know. <laughs> and um, we played maybe the same hymn that we played slow. We up-tempo it, you know. But getting, I kind of went away from what I was, what we originally was talking about. I wanted to give you all a little brief, brief history of, of New Orleans music. When we, like I said, when we put this band back together in, in, uh, in 1976, it was an opportunity to whatever kind of music you was exposed to or whatever you wanted to do, you could do it in this band, you know. And by doing that and bringing all these different contemporary sounds to the, to the streets, which gave the band a different flavor, not trying to change the tradition of New Orleans music, you know, because we was playing everything everybody else was playing, but just interjecting other, other different sounds into the music. And now, was that a conscious decision, or was that just what happened because it was just of the guys like you some, were? We just, was, we just did it. You know, it wasn't planned, like, so we're going to do this, and, you know, you know, we're just going to, you know, let's try this and see how that worked. It worked. People loved it. A lot of musicians, older musicians, kind of gave us a little static, but we just kept on doing it. And I think that's what really caught the, the ear of uh, world-famous George Ween, because uh, Feet Can't Feel Me Now is on the George Concord, George Ween collection, because he was the first guy to really expose us internationally as a band, you know, and that's when we first recorded with George, and he took us all over the world, and we played on all these jazz festivals, all these other great musicians, man. Cass, I used to dream of being on the same stage with, you know, I mean, and, he, and that's what, I mean, here we are 30 years, you know, later, still doing it you know and we just keep on doing what we do
obviously, New Orleans has now become, well, it hasn't become nearly as much the center of our national attention as it should. Uh-huh. Um, but I wonder if you feel that your, has your role changed at all as a band? Is it, are you more than just musical ambassadors now? Do you have to speak for your city in a different way? Well, I mean, people ask you different things about how the city is doing, and they ask you a lot of political stuff, you know, and, and whatnot, you know. Hey, I mean, what can I say, you know? I, just ask you questions about how the city is, how is the city coming back, or how is the mayor doing, or how is the government doing, and just, you know, all these kind of questions. I try not to get too involved in the, in the political thing, you know, I mean, I mean, it's politics and everything, even in music, I would imagine, I would think, you know, but I try not to get too involved in that, you know, I mean, the city of New Orleans is, is coming back, I mean, it's not all the way back, I mean, we still have a lot of abandoned neighborhoods and a lot of green space, and, and, and like especially in the Lower Ninth Ward, which was devastated part of the city that was, you know, uh, affected by Hurricane Katrina. But um, the city is coming back. I mean, and the music never left. You know, the music is very well, is very much alive in New Orleans. You know. Yeah, it, it's interesting because other uh, New Orleans folks that I've talked to said that you know even immediately after the storm, it was still possible to go into clubs. Oh, yeah. and hear music. Yeah, yeah, somebody was playing something somewhere. I think they had a club on Bourbon Street that never closed. <laughs> you know, you know, like Bourbon Street didn't. Uh, uh, the French Quarter did not flood. That's a high point of the city. That was that was the original city. You know. Right. So and they, when they built it, they built it up high. I think it's like what nine feet above sea level or something. You know. Now, you're in Albany, New York right now, which is not a lot like New Orleans, uh-huh. really, in any way that I can think of. And yet the crowd is still loving and eating up every second of what you're doing. I think it's the spirit of of the music. You know, like, New Orleans music is really uh, spiritual. It's a spiritual feeling, man, and I mean, everybody feels this. That's what makes New Orleans music so, I guess, different. And while a lot of different a lot of musicians come to New Orleans to get to get that to feel that spirit and and take that you know and and and, and, and you know uh, it's so spiritual man I mean it's kind of hard to describe it's, it's, it's just the feeling of the music it gives you make you have chill bumps run up and down your spine you know what I mean I think that's what it is and it's also fun it seems like sometimes it's, it's fun not even music a place for fun music oh yeah well you know we you, you know we New Orleans is no other place in the world like no we celebrate everything. You know, we celebrate, it's always a celebration. We got a crawfish, we got a crawfish festival, we got a strawberry festival, you name it. We celebrate everything, man, you know, every, everything you can think of, you know. Who uh, who does the arrangements for the for this group? Is it a it's, collective? Well, it's collective improvisation. I mean, different people right, have different compositions. Like, I wrote a song called Use Your Brain. Cause I thought everybody should really, some people should really use your brain, you know. You know, so I wrote this song called "Use Your Brain," song for Lady M, and I wrote a song dedicated to my deceased son, which is his name is Roger Lewis Jr. And I wrote a song called um, "A Song for Bobby," which was his his uh, his nickname. So everybody, you know, uh, uh, share in uh, in the writing of the music. I think, um, yeah, uh, Gregory Davis, he wrote a sweet. Kevin Harris wrote a song called Remember When, you know. I mean, so it's, it's like collective improvisation. Like the last CD that we just, uh, our last CD that we did about four years ago was dedicated to Marvin Gaye, uh, What's Going On. 
and that was collected collective improvisation. It was very very good. Very I was, and I'm not. I'm one of these people that's never satisfied with nothing musically speaking. And you know, I mean, I'm not satisfied with me. I'm still trying to figure out how to play the saxophone. One day I figure I'm gonna wake up and really play that on. I'll be glad when that day comes. But anyway. <laughs> And I'm never satisfied with nothing, man. But I thought, what's going on was a, was a great CD, man. It's one I could listen to over and over and over again, man. I said, wow, did I play that or did he play this? Oh my goodness! I mean, it was collected improvisation between the musicians and and management. I mean, everybody had a played a part in in that in that product, you know. Now get off your and let's do something and let's fix the biggest a memo. Remember, there's a few wars going on. A couple overseas and on my front lawn. When common sense was common, and now it's all gone. What's going on? And that's going on. And what's going on? And that's going on. And what's going on? And that's going on. And that's going on. And that's going on. You already mentioned getting to share the stage with some amazing people. You guys have also had incredible guests on oh, your records. Yeah, That's yeah, we had, uh, of that, what's going on now. One of the best feelings I ever had playing music was, was Dizzy Gillespie, man. I mean, here I'm on the stage with this man. I mean, not on the stage, but in the recording studio with this man. I ain't on the stage because we did a, a live performance, too. I mean, I could not believe. You know what I mean? The, Imagine how I felt, you know, just and he was he's such a nice guy and he see he loved the band, man. This is, we used to play a club in New Orleans called the Glass House back in the 80s. So one night we playing, playing the club, and I looked out in the audience and I told Kevin, the other tenor, Kevin Harris, I said, Man, you know what? I said, I know I just came out the back room, you know. Uh <clears throat> I said, but uh, that looked like Dizzy Gillespie sitting right there and Bernard Poirier. And man, that's Fast Domino sitting at the at the bar. I said, maybe I'm hallucinating or something. I don't know. He said, you know, yeah, you know, that's that's Fast. So, because I, I remember telling Fast Domino, I used to play in his band back in the '70s, and I used, to, I told he liked Fast Domino liked to go to neighborhood bars and hang out, you know. And I told him I was playing at this place, you know, this little bar. And he came, he came over, and he was sitting at the bar, man, you know. That was so beautiful. Yeah, then I, and then Dizzy Gillespie, Bernard Purdy, Manhattan Transfer in the, in, in the back of the room. All these great people 
used to come, you know. But, like, we played with a lot of different people, you know. Uh, Diz, uh, Bradford Marcellus, Elvis Costello, Dave Matthews, Buck Rezati, Cole Boozley, uh Alan Tucson. Uh, uh, man, the list go on and on and on. I can't really remember all of the widespread panic, the Black Crows. Uh, I, I hate to leave anybody out, but it's been so many people over the years. Buck Zydeco, uh, David David Burns. I think we did something, collaborated on knee plays with him. Uh, it's been a lot of people over the years, you know. Which is incredible. And I mean, now it's possible now that the children, or maybe in some cases even the grandchildren of people who originally came to see you back in the 70s, are still being able to come to see you now. Are you finding the crowds are very kind of mixed in terms of age? And this just, crowd certainly was. Yeah, I mean, it's like young people, you know, we get a lot of, a lot of uh, young audience. Like when we toured with the Black Crows, we got our music got exposed to that particular set of that crowd of youngsters. And then we did what we did with Widespread Panic. You know, that was another experience. You know, that drew a lot of people that didn't know about the band. That and uh, it looked like we just keep reinventing ourselves. You know, we just having a good time trying to play some music. Trying, to, we got music for your mind, body, and soul, and trying to spread the joy all over the world. You know, because we do a travel, we go everywhere. We can go to Europe, we can go to Indonesia. We don't been around the world more times than I got hands and toes, you know. Well, the guy who just down the hill here asked, where are you going next? And you had to take out yeah, the to take, Look, Yeah, you travel I, so much. You, you travel so much. We do like almost 300 gigs a year, man. That's a lot of, you know, that's been like 30 years. You know, it's kind of hard to remember all those places. I got one guy in the bed. He can remember every place we've been. I can't do it. Did you have to make some sacrifices to keep a life like that going? I mean, that's a lot well, of time on the road. About 55 years, you know. I've been on the road about 40 of them, 40, 45. It's a real life for me. I mean, it's not for everybody. Everybody just can't do this. You know, you have to have, first you have to have a strong personality and you know how to get along with people and not get along with people. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, it's not for everybody. Everybody can't do the road. You, you know, you got to be a soldier, you know. You know, it's like everybody can't go to the wall. You got you to you gotta be a soldier to be a road musician, man. It's not an easy lifestyle at all. It's very demanding, you know. Is it, is it still, does, is there still the possibility for it to be fresh and surprising and all those well, things? When you, when you think you, it's always uh, a different experience. I mean, you, when you think it's going to go one way, it goes just the opposite. So it's always exciting. Even coming out here uh, was exciting. It was a whole nother trip. I mean, our Sousaphone play, he managed to be at the airport and missed the flight. So, yeah. <laughs> we were wondering about that. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> and I talked to him on the phone. And he they closed the door. So, you know, it, it's it's amazing. I mean, when you think it's going to be one way, it's, it's always a surprise. It's always something different. That's just the way the road is, you know.
Immediately before you formed the Dirty Dozen, were you with Fats right before that, or were you? Yeah, uh, I was with Fats Domino. Uh, I also play. I also play. I play with a lot of different bands, man. I play with a sixteen-piece band, Dalfio Marcellus, big band, and I play with the Trimmy Brass Band, which is was the original bass drum player in the Dirty Dozen. Matter of fact, he was on Feet Can't Fail Me Now. Benny Jones, who actually really started the band. The band was the original Six War Dirty Dozen brass band. This band got a long history. I mean, this chapter is different from the chapter before. I mean, it, that would that's, that takes up a whole nother uh, radio program. You know what I mean? The complete history of the band. You know, it's uh, it's amazing. Was it a was it a difficult decision for you to decide? I'm going to take a chance on this kind of new sounding well, brass I'm band. A, I'm going to tell you what happened. I'm going to tell you the, the story of what happened. I was playing with Fast Domino, right? So Fast decided he was going to take a year off. All right? So I said, okay. So I decided to go back to school and take you know, some music course at Southern University. Where I met Charles Joseph, which is the original trombone player that's on Feet Can't Feel Me Now. And then Charles... Uh, introduced me to his little brother, which is Craig Joseph, who that's on all most of all our CDs. He's a, oh man, this guy is a great sousaphone player. Every, I remember uh, Howard Johnson and uh, what's that other tuba player name? I can't call his name right now. They was had Corral Craig in the room to pick his brain. But uh, he's a fabulous sousaphone player. Yeah, he has his own group now called Backyard Groove. But anyway. Uh, Charles and I, we started uh, collaborating, so to speak. And since we both were taking music lessons at the time, and we were both playing with the original Six War Dirty Dozen Brass Band, and every now and then we would, you know, different casts would come in. And I said, man, well, you know, since we ought to try to get together and put put something together, you know, try to tighten it up. And it just happened. So Charles knew Kevin. He knew Gregory. Well, Gregory used to substitute for the original trumpet, uh, the original trumpet player, which was a guy by the name of Sorrell. He died. So, so we just started rehearsing at his father's house, Waldron Frog Joseph, which is a famous trombone player who played with everybody in the business. God rest his soul. And things start developing, you know. And uh, what we used to do, we used to go the different clubs and play on on other bands break we would ask the guy could we play on the break you know just to get known I mean in the earlier days and things are taking off from there and just rehearsing every day rehearsing five days of every day I remember Kurt and I but Kurt and I used to probably rehearse more than anybody in the band you know that's how he developed I guess that's how he developed that sound on the sousaphone because I told Kurt in the earlier days I said you don't want to sound like a tuba player you want to sound like you're pulling strings or walking bass and he managed to pull that off not bragging or taking any credit for whatever but I mean it happened that's the way it, it, things developed and, and then you know just rehearsing and trying different things you know and, and, and working here we are we're working 
Was there a moment where you started to realize, oh, wait a minute, this is more than just something we're doing? This is Well, I, you know, I never really thought about it like that because, you know, like when you, you practice a musician and you're practicing all the time, you know, we don't think about things like that. That didn't enter my mind. I just, you know, I was thinking about just playing some music. I just thought, let's try this. Let's see if this work. I wonder if, like, when I played Tipping on the end of uh, Feet Can't Feel Me Now, that's a Horace Silver tune. And if you listen to it, it's not played the way Horace did it because it's twice as it's twice as fast. You know, I had shared it, this thing, man, and I, I said I want to try it, and I just put it in there. I didn't know if it was gonna work, but it came off pretty good. <laughs> and I got to go back and practice it again to get it up to that speed. You know, so it wasn't like preconceived of this is what we was gonna you know do. It's just things that we were working on, and we just. We're trying things, just trying stuff, and it works. So if something works, you uh, you just keep on doing it. I remember we we played uh, one Mighty Gras day early morning. Mighty one Mighty Gras day, we played uh, we going out the street playing that. Then we went from that to to Flintstone, you know, and played that all day. And it, it developed into a, a song, so we recall it, called Flintstones, Meet the President, Meet the Dirty Dozen. <laughs> yeah, that's on Open Up, a record by the name of What You Gonna Do for the Rest of Your Life, Open Up. So, you know, it's little things like that, you know, and just having fun. I mean, you know. Things happen. I was, matter of fact, I was telling uh, Gregory Davis a story about a song title called Ain't What You Think. I said, do you know how that, how that title came about? He said, no. I said, well, I'm going to tell you how it came about. I was playing with Fast Domino, and we had a guy in Fast Band. We called him Mew. I'm not going to give you his real name. God rest his soul. And he, he had a little problem with picking up on other people's property. <laughs> and uh, he happened to pick up on something that was for me, and I caught him doing it. I said, don't start no stuff, and it won't be no stuff. And he told me, oh, man, it ain't what you think. <laughs> I said, it ain't what I think. It ain't what I see. It's not what I know. It ain't what I think. And I said, I said, you were telling me what he got out of my wallet ain't what I think and ain't what I see. So we needed a song title for this tune. So I said, let's call it name it, it ain't what you think. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you know. Well, you know. The, uh, the band is amazing. I mean, it, it deserves every bit of all the praise that it gets, and I'm, I'm really happy to have had the chance to talk to you. And, Man, uh, we, we just stories. trying to, you know, as musicians, trying to, better our craft and trying to just make people happy, spread some love and joy and you know, that's all we really doing. We just messengers from a higher power <laughs> trying to make people happy, you know. And you know, you know, you know what would the world be without music? I mean I wouldn't want to find out. I don't want to find out either, you know. <laughs> My guest is Roger Lewis from the Dirty Dozen Brass Band. The, the I was going to say the new album, Feet Can't Fail Me Now, it's new again. It's new yeah. again, yeah. <laughs> don't right. let your feet fail you. You don't want to do that. Back know. again for the first time. Roger Lewis, thank you so much. I for enjoyed talking myself. I had a good time. Thank you, thank you man. Thank you, man. Yeah.
That's the Dirty Dozen Brass Band, and we heard from one of their founding members, Roger Lewis. You've been listening to The Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is also available for free at TheJazzSession.com and in iTunes. This show has an email mailing list. It's a great way to win free music. You can find it at thejazzsession.com. There's also a Facebook group. Just type The Jazz Session into Facebook's search box and you'll find it there. I give away music there, too. You can also follow uh, tweets from this show, and my Twitter username is Jason D. Crane. D is in David. The theme music for this program is by the Respect Sextet online at respectsextet.com. Thanks also to Dave Vrabel, who designed The Jazz Session's logo. The Jazz Session is distributed under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivative Works, 3.0 United States license. More information about that is available at the website. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session. Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye.